0: Good morning. It's great to see you. If I haven't met you, my name's Aaron. And welcome to Emmanuel Anglican Church. Welcome, everybody. As some of you know, our time at this location is coming to a close. We have a few weeks left before we need to pack up and exit for a new worship space and uh, This property is going to change hands and we are going to change worship locations and we don't yet know where we're going to go. Now I've been in this situation a few times with Emmanuel Anglican Church. And so I want you to know something. I'm really excited because every time we've been in this situation, we've seen God provide. But even more than that, every time we've been in this situation, because we turn our face to the Lord, he shines on us, and renew something spiritually in us that is even more important and fundamental and lasting than where we meet on Sundays. Because what could be more tragic for a church than to have all of its needs met on the surface, but to have no heart for God, to have no vision, to have no courage. And so this is a moment for us to turn our face to the Lord and for him to renew our call to be a spiritual beacon church. And we're going to um, look at this Call, we've looked at it before from Matthew 5, Jesus' words of who we are as a people, that we are the light of the world. So I want you to know that you have a role to play in this. You might be a visitor. You might be young. You might be older. You might feel very unspiritual, but I want you to know that this is an all-hands-on-deck moment. This is an all-prayers-on-deck moment, and you're invited to see God provide for our church. Would you like to see that? Would you like to be a part of that? He's done it before and he'll do it again. And so, but we're going to start with the basics. We're going to start with the presence of God and the calling he has given us. Um, So Matthew 5, verse 14 and following, we're going to hear Jesus reveal our true identity. And he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And this is in plural, you all, all of you. Individually and us collectively are the light of the world. If we are in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, then we inherit this identity with him. It's not something that we have to pretend to have. It's not something that we have to try really hard to have. There's no one-size-fits-all model for what it means to be the light of the world. It is just true. It's who we are. And Jesus uses two images to fill out this vision. Verse 14b says, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus is giving an example of life. Now, we're in the Midwest, though. So, what is a hill? But maybe you've seen Lord of the Rings. And and you've seen Gondor, right? There's a city on a mountain, on a hill, or maybe you've seen those pictures of European villages set on on mountains, mountaintops, and they're just gorgeous and beautiful to look at. Now, Jesus was teaching in, in uh, Palestine, and his reference point was Jerusalem, the holy city of God, but people would make pilgrimage there every year. They would go up the mountain, up to Mount Zion, up to the temple of the living God, which was a meant to be a beacon for the whole world. In fact, Isaiah 60 talks about how God's glory would shine directly on Jerusalem. And that light would actually represent his blessing. And that light would be so bright and so powerful that the nations would see it from where they were, the nations that were in darkness. And would go, we want to be in the light. Let's go together to the light. The nations come streaming in, bringing their best gifts with them. And so Jesus is referencing a city on the hill. And we can picture with him, perhaps, the city of Jerusalem, the city of our God, which is now an inheritance that we all have, that that light shines on us, that it's not limited to Jerusalem. It's not limited to that one temple. It's actually we are the temple. We are the people of the living God, and his light is shining on us. And he also says, nor do, in verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So most houses in the ancient world had one room, one room for the whole family. And what you would do is you would light a lamp and you would place it in the middle of the room up on top. So it's on a stand and it's in the middle. Why? So that it can beam light to everybody in the room. It could be pitch black outside, but inside the house, you have light. You have an ability to um, have uh, rest for your souls. You have an ability to be fed. You have an ability to be part of a family. And the light makes it possible. So here we have a dual picture of the people of God, city on a hill and a light in the house. If we are in Jesus, we shine with his light. It's who we are just by nature of being with Jesus. And this is just true. You don't have to be a certain personality type for it to be true. You don't have to be at a certain maturity level in your spirituality for it to be true. You don't have to feel good for it to be true. You, if you're in Jesus, you are a light. And we are in Jesus, we are a light together. So here's some examples of this. Have you ever been discouraged and the Holy Spirit has brought encouragement to your life? Maybe it was just directly from his spirit to yours, or maybe it was someone who shared an encouragement with you. Well, let that light shine through. It's your inheritance to give away. What about this? Have you ever been weighed down with a burden of your soul? Maybe it was an unconfessed sin, but then you brought it to light you confessed it to a friend, a prayer minister, a pastor, and you experience God's grace flooding in that same space where there was a burden. That's God's light shining on you, and that light can shine through you to others as well. well. What about just today? You've come here, you found parking incredible. Have you come today to feed on God's grace? You've come hungry for something. You've come tired and weary. You've come longing for some good news and to feed on God's word and to feed on his meal and to be known and loved in his community. Well, guess what? God's light is shining on you by his Holy Spirit and through his church. And we actually shine together. We come here together needing to be shined on and we shine together. It's who we are. Through Christ, the Father shines on us and we become his collective light in the world like a humble, beautiful village set up high. However, we also have a role to play in this. There's an action that we can take to shine with his light. And so Jesus says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. We talk about being a spiritual beacon church but do you know what the technical definition for the word beacon is? Um, Thanks to Wikipedia, I found one. A beacon is an intentionally conspicuous device designed to attract attention to a specific location. A beacon is an intentionally conspicuous device designed to attract attention to a specific location. The closest beacon to where we are right now is Montrose Harbor Beacon. A couple weeks ago, I was wandering on the lakefront as I am wont to do. And I came, up, I came across Montrose Harbor Beacon. It's a humble structure, maybe 20 or 30 feet. Uh, and it's built on this little curly strip of cement that juts out way into Lake Michigan. And you can go out there and I went out there and I noticed that the Montrose beacon is designed to attract attention for sailors, for people on boats, uh, maybe even for swimmers at night or in stormy weather to point out the location. This is where you can find Harbor and there's a Harbor right next to the beacon, there's a bird sanctuary and there's a Harbor where you can put your boat and where you can find shelter and find safety. So when Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven, he's calling us to be a beacon. Like Montrose Harbor Beacon, he's calling us to be an intentionally conspicuous device that attracts attention to a specific person, God the Father, God the Son, and Spirit, who give us light. He wants the people in our life, our neighbors, coworkers, friends, people who follow us on social media, family to see our light so that they can find shelter in the father of lights. That's his plan. That's his calling. And he wants us to exercise it. And here's a couple of ways that I've seen you exercise this calling recently. As some of you know, there is a rise in crime in our city. Let's just name that is happening right now. And I've heard from some of you about how this has impacted you. Recently, uh, there was a block um, that a few of our members live in. There's a few households that live on a nearby block. And one of the Emmanuel members was um, putting his kids to bed and uh, wrapping things up. When he heard what sounded like fireworks, on his block and it was like 10 or 15, uh, loud noises. And so he realized he and his wife realized this is not fireworks. This is uh, gunshots. They also heard the wailing of a woman outside and they weren't sure what she was wailing about. Then they saw a child running towards this wailing woman and they huddled over the wounded body of a man who was the husband and father of this woman and this child and they prayed, and they were like, what do we do? And so they decided that one of them would go out to the police and to the scene to offer comfort and support and encouragement. And they passed a note to this woman that said, we're so sorry for what has happened to your husband. We would love to help you if there's anything we can do. And they passed it to that woman. They went home, prayed, what do we do, Lord? What, how do we be a light right now? They, started texting neighbors, how are you doing? They decided, you know, let's just open up our living room. Let's open up our apartment and let's have people over just to process the experience. And so word got around on the block and people from all over the block came and joined them in their living room. And, and they wanted to talk about safety, you know, that was on their minds and hearts. And so there was a chance to sip tea and talk about safety. And that little meeting led to other invitations and And they were just really honest about, yeah, we're followers of Jesus. We're part of this church. We care about this block. And the conversations and the light continue to shine on this, on this block. Through these Emmanuel members, not only this household, but the other households that are participating now, this is just one example of letting our light shine before others so that they can bring glory to the father in heaven. There's other less dramatic ways. Most of the ways that we do it are not very dramatic. You know, while I was on sabbatical, I was so proud of you because I saw you shine your light in very specific ways, whether it was a service day at Lydia Home, which provides housing and, um, and, and parenting and households to uh, kids who don't have their parents. Also, you provided a whole welcoming crew committee to an Afghani family a family coming from a traumatized country. And there's a whole group of you that cleaned their apartment, decorated their apartment, stocked it with household goods and welcomed them and showed them the love of Christ. I know of social workers here who walk behind closed doors that no one else can walk through and help people walk through the valley of the shadow of death and bear witness to Emmanuel Jesus through your own presence and through your own life. I know of parents bringing new life into the world, though that's hard to do in the city at great personal sacrifice and cost. And I know of others coming around those families as spiritual aunts and uncles, loving those kids, caring for those parents, helping them to raise the next generation. I know of those of you who check on people who are recovering after surgery or talking with your neighbors, making people feel welcome at Emmanuel, at your office place. You shine the light of Christ all the time because it's who you are. And I want to tell you, it's the best way to be conspicuous. We don't want to be a dumpster fire, right? We want to be a spiritual beacon. We all know about the dumpster fires. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. There's a way to be intentionally conspicuous in a way that people see our good works and bring glory to the Father in heaven. Can you picture it? Picture that person who is in your life and they're the least likely person to give glory to the Father, Son, and Spirit. But can you imagine them doing it? Can you imagine that person bringing glory to the Father, Son, and Spirit because God's light shined through your good works, your good deeds, as you acted out of who you are, as we became who we are. We can't stay off the radar. That's the thing, is that we're tempted, right? We're tempted to stay off the radar because we don't want to be obnoxious. But actually, Jesus is calling us to be the radar. He's calling us to be the beacon. He is calling us to be intentionally conspicuous, to draw attention to the Father and his gospel, his Son, his Spirit. I love the song that we sometimes sing, let us be known by liturgical folk. Isn't that a great song? Let us be known by our love in every word and every deed honor the Son. Let our light shine in every eye. Let us be known by our love. Let us be known by our peace. The song says in every town and every tribe, Jesus is King. Let us go forth, heal and restore. Let us be known by our peace for the glory of the Father, for the glory of the Son, for the glory of the Spirit, let us be known by our love, by our joy, by our peace. This song captures exactly Jesus' heart when he says, let your light shine before others. Yes, some Christians are known for the uh, wrong reasons, but even still, Jesus is calling you and I to be known for the right reasons so that God can be glorified in and around the people around us. We are called to bear humble witness to the Father of lights, to draw conspicuous attention to him. So let's repent. Let's repent of seeking our own comfort so that we can stay off the radar. And let's turn to God and say, Lord, let us be who we are, the light, of the world, a city set on a hill, a lamp lighting up a room. Let us bear humble witness at the risk of being misunderstood. Now, this is a call for us together. Actually, it's a call for all Christians to be, we're calling it spiritual beacon, maybe you would call it something else, but this is a call for every Christian and it's an intrinsic quality to be a beacon that makes the gospel visible through our collective witness and word and deed. And everyone here, if you are in Jesus, this is something that you're called to do. It's something that we're called to do. And we're called to live that mission, no matter what building we have, meet in, or don't meet in, or don't have, no matter what our building situation is, we can be a spiritual beacon church. If we could only meet in living rooms around the city, we could be, and would be a spiritual beacon church. And yet, buildings matter, don't they? Buildings matter. Where we live matters. Just as an apartment, condominium, or house allows people to thrive in the city in the long term, so also a sacred space allows churches to do the same. Buildings, on a very practical level, allow for shelter from the elements, hospitality and space for connection with God and others. And so over the years, as we have done our own wilderness wanderings of tabernacle from tabernacle. We have just given thanks to God for every space he provided. I remember when he provided a, a storefront. It was called the Garden Room right on Wilson Avenue. And it was just right for us at the time, a multi-purpose room for us to gather. We talked about ways to reach out. We gathered for, um, for worship. Eventually we had Word and Sacrament gatherings that uh, sort of built over the summer. And then he provided... Uh, as we met there, he provided Uplift High School. You remember those carpeted benches, those of you who were there? Carpeted benches on three sides. The weirdest thing you've ever seen, but it was awesome because the presence of the Lord was there. And then during COVID, we had a ministry center where we could live stream our services. And we said, thank you, God. And we actually don't own a building right now. We can just meet here. We can just broadcast these services and God's providing us to do that and then while we were doing that he provided this space this space has served us so well during the time of covid we where we needed a lot of space and we needed actually a balcony so that we could have it enough to be within the city regulations but also gather for word and sacrament ministry we have children's ministry here that we've been able to leave set up this is such a blessing so we say thank you god for all of these spaces right? Thank you, God, that you have allowed us to be a spiritual beacon people in a place where we truly can gather. So even as we utilize temporary worship space, we are praying, I'm praying, for a permanent spiritual beacon home that we could inhabit one day, that we could shape one day. This isn't going to happen in the next few months, but we can pray for it to happen in the coming years. We can ask the Lord for a sacred space to make our own, to shape and to pass on to the next generation. Imagine a three-dimensional place where we can lift high the son of God in the city of Chicago, that all would be drawn to him, a place that would make the gospel of Jesus personal and tangible and visible for the people of our city. Can you imagine a space that would be beautiful, but also, um, practical, filled with classrooms, art rooms, sacred space, a place for a kitchen where the poor can be fed. A place where songs can be written and sung. A place where children can learn. A house of prayer for the nations. Can you imagine it? A place that puts the beauty, goodness, and truth of Jesus Christ on display for our city. There was a someone, a friend, who came along as we were looking for spaces. Someone who knows a lot about church spaces came along and said, Man, you guys, as a church, I can just tell you, you're dying to express yourselves. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, he's right. We really are. And and there's a reason for that. Because every day of our life, we're in a city that wants to shape us. And so it's in our hearts to shape the city. Um, Not for our own glory, but for the glory of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And to put the truth, beauty, and goodness of Jesus Christ on display. So that our current city can see the city to come. So we're praying for that. We're praying for the ability to, um, to do the shaping, to be conspicuous, to bring glory to the Father. I recently read up on um, the history of, of a different Anglican church in a different country, St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, Ireland. It started actually with just gospel ministry. St. Patrick just went over there and uh, to, from, from England to Ireland, and he began to evangelize the people who lived over there. And, and these were his former captors and, and enemies in many cases. And he preached the gospel to them and they came to faith and he baptized so many of them and administered the sacraments to them. And he actually equipped them for their calling in Ireland. And many of them he sent out to, to, to evangelize the whole country. It changed the course of civilization, but it started right there in Dublin. In fact. Um, he was uh, baptizing people in what's known as the River Pottle. And as he continued to baptize them, as he continued this gospel ministry, and a few years later, there was a wooden church built over the River Pottle where the baptisms and evangelism and discipleship continued to happen. And then a while later, that, that wooden chapel was torn down and a church was built that was more secure and steady. And that continued to happen over the years. And even to this day, I can't speak to the spiritual heart of this church. I'm not too familiar with it. Other than just to say it stands to this day with evening prayers at night and the sacraments are administered. 1500 years later. This simple illustration helps us see that our spiritual beacon calling begins as a spiritual beacon people. It begins with a spiritual call as we carry out our works of evangelism and mission and bringing glory to the father. But it doesn't end there. We pray. We're asking the Lord to provide a building in the long term, And we can leave all of that up to the Lord. You know what? He knows whether or not that's going to be good for us. We can pray for it and just trust that he's going to know if that's our calling, if that's what he wants. But right now what we can do is we can get on our knees and pray that he would make us a spiritual beacon people. That's where it all begins. This need for a worship space in the short term is just a a clue for us. It's an opportunity for us to turn our faces back to the Father and say, please, let us be faithful to our calling from you. Um, And so I want to call all of us now to a season of prayer. A 40-day season of prayer starting this Thursday. Starting this Thursday, maybe we can do a fasting day a day where we fast from a meal or a few meals and pray together for the Lord to renew in us that spiritual beacon call. And so we're going to have noonday prayer over Zoom and we're going to have evening prayer at our ministry center in Ravenswood. And maybe some of you city groups will just pray together this week as you gather for the Lord to renew his call. We'll send out instructions in the week to make us a spiritual beacon people. And we can just continue that all the way through the Feast of All Saints, all the way through October 31st, which comes right before that Feast of All Saints. We can just be praying that the Lord would make us a spiritual beacon people. Would you do that with me? And in this time, we can just give him all of our needs. We can say, Lord, we need you to provide for us a worship space. You've got that. Lead us to the right space. We can give to him any personal need we have. Do you have a personal need, something on your heart, something that's vexing you or burdening you? Something medically, something financially, something personally, something spiritually, something relationally. Give that to the Lord and watch him work. Ask him, let's ask him for opportunities to bear humble witness. Would you like opportunities to be conspicuously visible to the people of our city, giving glory to the Father who is in heaven through your good works? Begin to pray, Lord, would you give me an opportunity? Would you give us an opportunity to to be a spiritual beacon people Give us reps, give us ups so that we can live our witness together. This is an opportunity for us as a church to get back to the basics, to get back to our call, to get back to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and humble ourselves together. So let's do it together. Let's ask God to purify our love for him and neighbor, just like our reading in Isaiah 58. Let's pray, not out of anxiety, but out of the promise in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And while we still have breath, let us praise him this morning and onward. As the psalmist says, for a day in your courts, God, is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so through the Spirit, may that be true of us. Emmanuel Anglican Church, you are the light of the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray. And Lord, we pray that you would stir in us those good works, which you have given for us to do. And we pray, Lord, that your face would shine on us, that your grace would fill us completely this morning, so that we can remember who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.